Welcome back to the show. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we take insurance professionals and help you move from captivity to freedom. I'm your host, James Jenkins. This is episode 61, and my guest for today, for this episode, is Mr. Troy Smith, retired detective and hostage negotiator for the San Antonio Police Department. More recently, he is a coach and a business consultant with the Black Swan Group, the company founded by Mr. Chris Voss, the author of Never Split the Difference, a very, uh, very important figure in my career. Uh, I had the privilege of meeting uh, Troy and one of his colleagues from Black Swan in uh, Kansas City at Brainshare back in April. And uh, just like uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda says, I'm not throwing away my shot. I uh, asked Troy for an interview on the podcast and he had their media team reach out and make this happen. Really enjoyed this conversation with Troy. Uh, he takes a different tone, really tugs on the heartstrings a little bit, uh, as you'll hear early in the episode. Uh, but Troy really brings it. Uh, he has a different energy, a different presence and gravitas about him. So this episode stands out to me as uh, one of the more meaningful that we've had on the show, just because of the the background and the accomplishments uh, that Troy brings to the conversation. It was definitely humbling for me uh, to be present for this. I think you will really enjoy uh, the dialogue here. So before we jump into episode 61, I'd like to invite you to uh, participate in our Facebook group. Just go to the search bar and type in Agency Freedom. You'll find us there. We have live shop talk calls every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Central. You are invited to come join us there. We have a lively, engaging, useful, and tactical conversation. It is not just lecturing from yours truly. Lord knows that would be a miserable way to spend an hour if all I did was ramble incessantly. It is interactive. It is a dialogue, and we need to see you there. So join us in the Agency Freedom Facebook group and on the live Shop Talk calls every Wednesday at 11 Central. Those calls are live in the group, and they are recorded as well for your convenience later if you can't make it. So... Sit back, relax, enjoy this conversation with Mr. Troy Smith of the Black Swan Group. This is the episode, episode 61 of Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. There are two kinds of people in the insurance industry. Those who are captive and those who are free. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. Captivity can go far beyond the companies you represent. It starts between your ears and its impact is felt in every corner of your business. We're all about helping agency principals and sales professionals reach your maximum potential and flex your freedom. If your goals are big enough, you're gonna have to get uncomfortable to be able to reach them. Our team at RiskWell is living this out every single day. This show is where I share our successes, our failures, and everything I learn along the way. We deliver relevant, tactical, and actionable content from industry peers, innovative partners, and a variety of leaders from other business verticals. We're not holding anything back. There's no upsell, no guru pitch, and no fluff. It's time to unshackle yourself from captivity and make your freedom jump with the Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. What's up, Freedom Jumpers? It's time for another episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast. I am joined in this episode by Mr. Troy Smith. Uh, Troy is an advisor, a consultant. I'm not sure exactly what your title is, my friend, uh, with the Black Swan Group. And I had the distinct privilege of sitting under Troy's teaching uh, and, and conversation at uh, Brainshare back in April. Uh, up in Kansas City. Thank you to Mr. Jason Cass for helping make that possible. Uh, but Troy Smith, thank you for joining us, man. Anytime, brother. I had I had a lot of fun in Kansas City. You guys were a great group, great organization. And my my role with the Black Swan Group is I'm a, I'm a coach and I'm a uh, instructor. And coach and instructor is uh, is the very beginning of what you're doing because my friend, you are are a very humble person from what I can tell from. Uh, being around you for several hours, and uh, you've got quite the resume, my friend. Uh, why don't you catch us up uh, prior to your time at the Black Swan? Uh, what have you done professionally and kind of uh, your journey to get to this point? And then we'll definitely uh, circle back to 
to Chris Voss's team and Black Swan Group and whatnot as we progress in this interview here. So uh, what is the condensed version of the Troy Smith story? Wow, great question. So uh, I joined the San Antonio Police Department in 1987, uh, became a full-time officer in 88. I had what they considered a seven-year itch. Every seven years seemed like I changed jobs. You know, I, I was involved in a shooting my first year. And then uh, the next year, me and another partner of mine, we started the Police Athletic League. We had about 20,000 kids in the program the first year. Did that for seven years. After that, I got that itch and went through SWAT training and hostage negotiation school and realized that it was so hot outside like it is in Texas right now and that it was better to be a negotiator, sit in the air conditioner, eat pizza, talk to listen to people mm. talk and talk to them. So I did that for seven years. And during that time, I had been involved in over 300 call-ups. And I actually did the talking on now at the time before I left at 278 actual hostage situations. And I had never lost one. So 278. Went, went undercover. Yes, sir. Wow. That, that, at 278. And you had a perfect record. Wow, that's I, incredible. Sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted to confirm that because that, that no, sounds no, no, amazing. No. Yeah, yeah, no. People would ask me how did I do that, and I always told them, I don't know if it's good or bad, but everybody I talked to reminded me of somebody in my family, and I would talk to them the way I would talk to my family member, and I think that made mm. it come off more genuine, and I don't know if I had mm. a terrible family or what. Because <laughs> I had a lot of people. <laughs> then after that, I actually – Went uh, undercover and I worked for a unit called Repeat Offenders. We went after the worst of the worst in the city. And then uh, in 2000, I actually got a chance to meet Chris at the FBI two-week negotiator school. Mm. And then after that, I ended up going to uh, to be assigned to the United States Marshals. And that's where I finished my career. And then in 2020, I got a call from the Black Swine Group from Chris saying, hey, look, I got this company. You know, we do what you used to do, hostage negotiation stuff, but we do it in a business environment. And, and we converted it over and it's working well. And we want to know if you'd be interested. And I jumped at the opportunity. Mm. That's incredible, man. You know, when I think of the books, the, the concepts that have impacted my career, that have impacted the way that I do things, you know, the never split the difference book from Chris Voss is absolutely required reading. So I, I can imagine once you received that invitation and became familiar with Chris and the way that he operates, I imagine that was a probably a pretty easy decision for you, wasn't it? Oh, for me, it was very easy. I, I never thought that once I left law enforcement that I would ever use those skills again in a work environment. And once I did, I was I was just grateful to be back in this world. It's something that I enjoy doing. I love it. Everybody on our team, we love doing this. And that's why I think it's so successful. Man, the the thing that I love about people that have the kind of experience, the kind of resume that you do is the stories that you get to tell. Uh, stories of, of, of inspiration, stories of, of outright terror, of tension, of not knowing how this is going to play out. Uh, you, sh you told a story um, about a situation uh, in Kansas City. You don't have to tell the same story if you don't want to, but if you choose a different story, I'm, I'm probably going to paraphrase the way that uh, that story went with the, the young girl who was in that situation, you know, ended up I'm not, I'm not going to give it away because you might tell that story. Uh, do you want to share that, that story? Or is there a different one that comes to your mind of just from your career in law enforcement, something that stands out to you as a powerful moment? Well, you know, I, I have, I've had a powerful moment that just happened this past week, you know, with everything going on in Uvalde and, and the fact that, you know, that there were 21 lives lost, you know, there actually were 22, the person that, that committed the, committed the crime. You know, but uh, 21 mm -hmm. of them, I call them heroes. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had just gotten back from Dallas. We had we had a one day. We had a two day to, the week before, and then we had a one day. And I'm a reserve uh, deputy chief for one of the com constables offices. You know, I don't get paid for it. I do it to, to help these younger officers learn and become better at their job. And so uh, I had just gotten back in town and we talk about as 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 the black swan group, you know, and anytime there's a I need or I want, you're in the middle of a negotiations. So I got back to San Antonio and I go go by the office to check in and the constable is telling me all the things that, you know, that that have been going on while I was gone. And she was tasking me with certain things. She says, hey, you know, we had a person 
one of our deputies brothers passed away and we need some flowers and everybody dropped the ball. Can you help us with that? I said, sure. No worries. She mm. says, Hey, you know, Troy, I need you to go to Uvalde. We, you know, we, we have a situation where, you know, some of these, uh, agencies may need some help with the funerals. Would you, would you go out there and look into it and get back with me on what they may need? I said, sure, sure. I'll take care of that. You know, and that's about an 80 mile drive from San Antonio. Then she gave me several other things and I'm starting to feel the, the, the stress of trying to do everything. And we talk about, you know, you have to clear your mind. And then she said to me, she says, Hey, I have somebody I would like for you to meet. And I'm, you know, I wait till she leaves the room and I get that sigh, like, you know, adding something more to my plate kind of situation. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to say that to her. And so she takes me into the roll call room and there's this 10 year old little kid named DJ, DJ Daniels. And I have a picture of him and I'll send it to you. And he's 10 years old and he's dressed in a deputy's uniform with the hat, everything, the badge, everything. And I'm looking at this little kid and I'm saying to myself, oh, he want to be a, in law enforcement one day. And uh, he's she's telling me, hey, we're going to swear him in as an honorary uh, deputy constable. And I said, oh, OK, OK, that'll be good. That'll be good. And they got his credentials for him and everything. And his father's standing off to the side and this little boy smiling. And I'm like, wow, you know, this is this is crazy. You know, and, and uh, he says, can I take a picture with you? I said, no, no, I'd love to take a picture with you. And so I put my arm around him. He puts his arm around me. We take a picture and he tells me he loves me. And I still don't know his story. So I said, hey, so what's going on? He goes, oh, whatever's a little girl. And her last name was uh, Adias. And she was seven years old. She had cancer. And she always said she wanted to be a police officer. So she, you know, bef uh, before she died, the Freeport Police Department made her an honorary police officer. And she died mm -hmm. at the age of seven of cancer. And I said, wow. He said, so I picked up the mantle for her. And, you know, I picked up the torch and I made a conscious decision that I wanted to, you know, get uh, sworn in by a hundred law enforcement agencies in her honor. And I said, wow, man, you're wow. doing a great job to keep her memory alive and her dream alive and everything. And, and, uh, I said, so far, how many have you gotten? He said, 230. I said, wow. 230. He goes, yeah. He goes, you know, CIA, NYPD, LAPD. And he showed me all the credentials and badges and everything and that he's gotten and everything. And I said, wow, you're really keeping her memory alive. And then um, um, she says, he says, his father says to me, you know, you know, DJ is, is dying of cancer. He has brain mm. cancer and spinal cancer and there's no cure. And I'm saying to myself, wow. this little kid is picking up somebody else's torch and doing what he can for them and not thinking about himself. And I'm sitting over here complaining about what I have to do today. Mm. And so That's I asked powerful. the constable, I said, hey, did. Yeah, I said, did, did, did you give him a badge? And she said, Troy, we don't have a badge. She called me chief. She said, chief, we don't have a badge. Well, I was in my, I was in a, in a suit and tie like I was in Kansas and I had my badge on my, on my belt. So I took my badge off and I said, go ahead and pin him with this badge. She goes, but that's your badge. I said, I have two. Mm. And so I pinned the little boy with the badge and she pinned him with the badge and he was smiling and, uh, she was going to record it. And I said, Hey, I, you know, when I talk to him, I don't want it recorded. This is personal. And he told me, he said, you know, he goes, I really like this badge. And he turned to his dad and he said, you know, on my day, this is the badge I want to wear. Blew me out of the water. Man, I, I took everything I had not to start crying. Wow. That this kid was still happy and upbeat knowing that his life was cut short, going to be cut short. And I'm over here complaining in, in, in my head about some little thing that don't even matter. And then he tells me again, he loves me. And then he says, the constable said, you can sing. I said, yeah, you know, I sing all the time. So he had me sing a little something for him. And then he goes, on my day, this is the song I want sung. Will you sing it for me? And I said, yeah, I'll do it. I said, no matter where I'm at in the world, if your dad tell me that I need to be back in San Antonio, I said, I'll be here. No matter where I'm at in the world, I said, you know, wow. that, that's how important you are to me. And I hugged him and I said, and I love you. And so they, they took him out for a little ride along and his dad started telling me the story, you know, really telling me the story about him and how many badges he had. And that every agency said on his day when he passes away, they're going to send an honor guard to represent their agency because he's an honorary member.
So I'm thinking wow. and I'm saying the, the place that they're going to have this this funeral at, it holds 5,000 people. And it's not going to be big enough to hold all the officers that's going to come into town. And then wow. his father said to me, he says, man, you know, Troy, uh, I'm having a difficult time because whoever thought they would have to bury their kid. He said, mm-hmm. uh, and so the, the, the lieutenant says, hey, you have our numbers. If you ever need anything, reach out to us. You know, I, you know, he says, yeah, because sometimes I'm going to need somebody to talk to because this is mm-hmm. difficult. And all the time I'm sitting there and I'm saying to myself, man, all the things we do in life, it takes a kid to remind us that ain't nothing that important. Mm. And so when, when, when we get into these difficult conversations and, and, you know, we have, have to worry about negotiating and everything. If we could take a moment to just realize that it's part of, part of the business, but don't let it consume you. Be present in the moment, especially if you have families, because your kids are going to show you so many things that you may have forgotten. You know, we get consumed by the business world and everything that we're doing. And this 10 year old kid started out by wanting to keep a legacy of a seven year old little girl alive. And he Mm. said the reason why he did it is she died a week before he was supposed to meet her. Wow. How powerful is that? What's that young man's name? His name is DJ Daniels. DJ Daniels. I'll, I'll send it to you. It's it's. Duvergier, I can't never say his first name very well, but you can go online and you'll see it and you'll see the story mm. and I'll send you some pictures. No, please and do. I told the constable, yeah, I told the constable, I said on that day, we're going to retire his badge. There's only two badges. I have one and he has one. And after that day, I'll never wear that badge again. We're going to retire that badge. So nobody will ever wear that badge number again. Wow, man, so, you, you took this power, interview in a whole story. different direction, man. I love it. That's so powerful. I, I, I'm not even no, sure I, what to I, say in response to that. That's that's incredible. Well, and that's how powerful what I love about the Black Swan family. You know, they allow me to do these type of things, and they get behind it. They don't say, "Hey, Troy, you know, uh, you got to decide what you want to do. You are you with us, or are you somewhere else?" And I'm always with them. And whenever I say, "Hey, you know, I I, I have this going," they're like, "Troy, we support you. We'll get behind you. We'll help fund it if necessary." Mm. And just blew me out of the water. That's why I enjoy working with this company. Well, one of the really important concepts in in the book, Never Split the Difference, is strategic empathy. And I'm sure, I, I, not, not I'm sure, I know firsthand from the stories that you've told and some of the stuff you shared with us in Kansas City, that you have a personal and deep understanding of strategic empathy in in the context of your work as a a crisis and hostage negotiator, uh, but to be able to experience strategic empathy as a business philosophy from the way that the Black Swan provides you with bandwidth to take those liberties and to, to have those experiences, that's got to be pretty profound for you as well. Oh, yeah. In the things we talk about and we teach, uh, we live. You know, we live it. And that's why I said, you know, uh, when I when I talk about the Black Swan group, I get excited because they're not just teaching it and saying, hey, do as I say, not as I do. Every yeah. last one of us do it every day. And they genuinely, genuinely care about the people that we serve. Mm. Man, that is as an incredible way to start this thing off. I, I don't know of any transitional statement I can make to take us from <laughs> that moment to uh, what I had thought was going to be the bulk of the interview. So I'm just going to abruptly say, I'm going to change the subject and, and ask a little bit about uh, your work as, as a coach. So you joined the Black Swan Group. Uh, you recruited in 2020. We're in the height of COVID. So I'm guessing a lot of what you've done uh, for most of your tenure has been remote. And we're starting to get back out in the field regularly and have face-to-face things again. Uh, what does your day-to-day look like as a coach, as a as a a facilitator for the Black Swan Group. Well, we've been very busy. Even uh, you know, during the COVID time, it was it was really busy as far as a lot of the Zoom calls, coaching individuals, and training at you know groups. Mm-hmm. People would come on, and they'd have we'd had two classes that we called our our uh, we call we go through a program called Shu Hari, which is a martial arts term. You know, Shu is learning from the basics is ha is I call it crawl walk run. 
the same mindset. In Shu, you learn the things exactly as we ask you to say them. You know, you you seen the movie The Karate Kid, Wax mm -hmm. On, Wax, wax Off. On, and wax then he off. tried to take he Yeah, and he tried to take liberties and and, and Miyagi san said, No, no, wax on, wax off. And that's the same philosophy we had with the company. So we started with uh, Caviar, or a, a class called Caviar, and then Negotiations 9. The Negotiations 9 is what we did out there in Kansas City. We just, it was just on steroids with you guys. So we actually give yeah. them the nine skills that will get them started. And so uh, that's shoe, those are shoe classes. Those are things that we teach you the basics first, get you used to understanding the concepts start getting you the reps in the repetitions. You heard us talk about it repeatedly in the class. Get your reps mm -hmm. in 64 to 67 reps is what it takes to just become proficient. So uh, we live by that. And so every day we do the same thing. So we started off, we start off with the shoe mentality. Mm. So it, it's hard for me to know where to, to ask some of these more specific questions because those nine skills, we don't have nearly nearly the time to to get into. The the two that I think are are most easily accessible in this conversation is probably going to be uh, probably labeling and mirroring are the two that seem to, to me to be easy enough to unpack in in a general sense uh, for an interview like this, and then uh, obviously give people the opportunity to one go out and get the book Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss and read and consume that. And two, if you want to take more of a deep dive, uh, then the Black Swan has live events. And of course, I, I would expect you probably have uh, still those digital products where somebody wants to get on one of those uh, digital or, or you know Zoom calls. Those options are available as well. We'll put all of that information in the show notes uh, down below where you found this episode so you can connect with Troy and the Black Swan uh, but let, let's talk about those first two, if, you, uh, if you're good with that, just for a little bit. One, one of the things that you really opened up with in Kansas City was a discussion of uh, those two basic strategies, uh, mirroring and labeling. I think labeling was first, and then mirroring was second, if I remember correctly. Uh, why don't you talk just a little bit, in a general sense, of, of what labeling is uh, and how you deploy that in a business sense. Yeah, so uh, we, uh, we did. Three, or maybe even give us some context quick, outside yeah, of that yeah. before you jump in if you want to. Yeah. Yeah, the quick two plus one is what we call it. We, it's labeling, mirror, and dynamic silence. We talk about all three. Those are like the, the, the foundation skills that everybody have to have. You know, people tend to want to ask questions and several things happen. One, they don't ask the right question. You know, they'll ask ask you something and they really mean something else. For example, they'll say, James, you know, uh, what are you doing at five o'clock this afternoon? And James, you're sitting here thinking, uh oh, what do they want from me? Yeah, uh, it, it feels like a trap. And because no matter what I say, you're yeah. going gonna to ask me to do something at five o'clock. Right. And so now you're now you're cautious. You're thinking about, do I want to do what they're going to ask me? How much work is it going to require versus they could have just said, you know, ask you if they could if say, hey, look, James, I have a car in a shop and I know you go home that way. Would it be impossible for you to give me a ride so I can pick up my car? And you go, oh, that ain't nothing. I could do that. It's on my yeah. way. You know, ain't no extra heavy lifting. However, they they ask the they ask a question in a way that make you get nervous and wonder if it's something you really want to do. So we use labels. We talk about labels. Most people, you give them a way to say no. You know, labeling is, is, is essentially asking a question without being direct about it. You know, seems like, sounds like, looks like, feels like. And so we use these skills. We say, seems like you may So there was a, an example right. of, you there? Did I lose you for a second? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, good deal. So what's an example? I, I'm happy to role play with you. Okay. So... James, it sounds like uh, you have a, a, a huge audience. Yeah, you know, uh, there's a lot of people that listen to this show and, and uh, they try to either, you know, get something useful or tactical for them to, to use in their agency or maybe they're just listening because they find it entertaining for some reason. It's a good way to pass time while they're driving. 
seems like mo- your target audience might be more the insurance industry. Yeah, yeah, definitely the insurance industry. Now we've got we've got people from outside the industry, but the vast majority of folks that listen to this uh, podcast either own an agency uh, themselves currently or they want to own one in the future. Want to own one? Oh, I see. Okay, you're switching it up here. Yeah, now they want to own one. They're probably an employee in an agency right now, and you know they aspire to be a business owner themselves someday. So it sounds like you're giving them an opportunity to get 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 their foot in the door to learn some more skills. Yeah, no, that's right. Hey, Freedom Jumper, are you looking to take your business to the next level? Who isn't, right? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS. At Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, they understand the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing marketplace. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique or outlandish they may be. With a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and guidance you need to see your agency succeed, Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't just survive in the competitive insurance industry. Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. Get started today. Learn more at nbsbrokerage.com. Thanks for playing along, man. I know that I threw you a curveball there, just jumping straight into role playing. Now, I love how you mixed in the mirroring. Uh, and Freedom Jumpers, let me explain for just a second. If, you've already from, if you're already familiar with Chris Voss's book, then you know exactly what Troy just did. But it is a lovely combination of the labeling that Troy just explained to us. And, and the, the mirroring is where you take the last couple of words, you know, two, three words, maybe four of what the person said, and just parrot it right back to them, which initiates a, a, a feedback loop in the recipient to explain themselves further. So, uh, Troy, you want to unpack some of that, uh, the mirroring a little bit and give your own flavor and spin on what I just said? Yeah, so great. We had, you and I had a conversation. And during that conversation, some of the skills were used to label, you know, seems like, sounds like, look like, feels like. However, by listening to what you were saying, I heard something that I wanted you to go deeper into. So I labeled it. I mirrored what you said, the last three words, and you you caught it and you realized that, you know what, it's, you still went into the, the different uh, explanation of what you were saying without breaking the train of thought. It was you heard something that had already come out of your mouth, so it didn't break your train of thought. And it gave you the it, it let you know that I was paying attention to you. I was listening mm-hmm. to you. That's what we call an easy lift. Instead of me trying to figure out what I'm going to say next, I listened to what you were saying and I was able to take something away and and steer it in the direction that I wanted to gather more information or data. And Mm. the third part of that is I would use dynamic silence. Every time I would say something, I would use dynamic silence. And it's hard to do on a podcast in this moment because you don't like dead air. So I tried mm-hmm. to be yeah. mindful of it so that I gave you an opportunity to respond. Yeah, and I didn't uh, I didn't do that correctly. <laughs> you were a little too smooth for my own good because I thought there was a problem with the audio for a second when in fact all it was was you <laughs> deploying dynamic silence to allow the conversation to develop. So excellent work, my friend. Now, the one of the things that I, I think I actually – uh, brought up in Kansas City, if my memory serves correctly, because uh, I, I, along with Heath Sheeran from Arkansas, uh, were the mic runners that day. So conveniently, I already had the mic in my hand when I wanted to say something. It was just <laughs> right there. So I just lift the mic to my mouth and, and ask you the question. Uh, Chris pointed out in the book that when you are labeling, it is very important that you're staying out of using the word I or when you are using that tactic, sounds like, looks like, feels like, you can't use the word I or me. So what I'm hearing you say is, no, we're not going to use that. We're not going to have that tactic. You want to explain why that is in your perspective? When you put I in front of anything, is about you. Our skills are designed to make it about the counterpart. 75 to 80% of the conversation should be about them. That's how you learn. Uh, in 
information that's going to be important for you down the road. People love to talk about themselves. You have to allow them to do that. When you start saying, I, 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 it's all about you. It's not about them any longer. And most Hmm. people are going to get turned off by it. So what is the purpose of of dynamic silence in in a conversation, perhaps in in a a business dialogue? If I'm sitting at the table with a, a prospect that I am trying to close, to get to the finish line, how might dynamic silence be deployed in that conversation to further my purposes? When you use a label or you mirror something and you speak before you give them a chance to think about what you what, what the mirror was or what the label was, you're stepping on it. You're not allowing them to have a second to think about what was said and to give you their thoughts. So if you don't use the silence to give them that time, you start over talking, you start talking over, over them. And before they can give you an answer, you've already moved on to the next thing. Mm. Slow down. We said, make it about them. Give them an opportunity to respond. Hmm. And, you know, going back to the 80, 20 rule, you know, you want your prospect or your mm-hmm. counterpart to use Chris's language to be doing 80% of the talking is, you know, if you're doing you know, anything close to 50-50 of the talking, probably talking way too much and not gathering enough useful information. In, in almost every case, that's the, that's the case. You're giving up more information than you should be talking, giving up. You're, you're not listening as much because you're focusing on what you're going to say next. Hmm. I don't want to dig too far into the content of, of your live coaching and the classes that you guys do because uh, people pay really good money for that. And I know it, it definitely translates better uh, in, a, in a live environment or you know, outside of a podcast where most people aren't watching this on our YouTube channel. They're probably listening to this, so they can't necessarily see you at all, which is such a large component of your communication, uh, even non-verbally. Um, I'd love to transition uh, back to some practical questions now, your time as a law enforcement officer, your time uh, as a U.S. Marshal, as a, as a negotiator, uh, maybe some best practices uh, that you've picked up along the way uh, that we can learn from, you know, perhaps in business, perhaps in just in communication. Now, I imagine you probably have a, a lot of those little miniature speeches that you can give us on best practices in certain areas. So uh, any suggestions for how we can learn from your experiences? Be patient. If you're in if you're in a negotiation, you have to learn to be patient. Time is is something that you have to be willing to commit commit to. People are in a hurry nowadays. We have fast food restaurants. We have all these things we want to do. We want to watch stuff in a hurry. Everything is in a hurry nowadays. We could record a show and we'll we'll fast forward past the commercials. You know, we don't take the time to relax and pay attention and listen. We listen for normally at two levels. The first one is just to get a, get enough information to, to get the gist of the conversation. Where the second level is just to get to rebuttal, to get to where they say something that you can dispute or, you know, challenge. And when you're doing that, it's, it becomes like the eye, like you said, it's all about you. You're not paying attention and, and really giving that person the respect and the, in the, in the time that they need, everybody else is doing the same thing. And when you when you start using the black swan skills, people won't really recognize initially what's going on, but they'll know you're doing something different. They're going to say you're different than everybody else. We say you can go into a room and if you're interested, you'll become the most interesting person in the room and you won't have said very little about yourself. And you do that by being a good listener. So in in your personal life, in your business life, if you're a good listener, you're going to hear what people are telling you. Once you start to hear what they're telling you and they get a chance to get it off of their chest and say, man, finally, someone listened to what I said. And how you build that tactical empathy is if you can say, if you could tell them what they're thinking before it comes out of their mouth, they're impressed. 
And a lot of that happens just by listening to what they've been saying, giving it back to them in your own words. A lot of people go, I understand. Do you really? I don't know that you understand because you said you understand. However, if you throw something back at me or give me something back that I hadn't said to you yet, I go, man, this guy gets it. James really gets what I'm what I'm talking about. And that's amazing. So all of a sudden you become the most interesting person in the room and you hadn't really said anything about yourself. I'll give you an example. Coming back from Kansas City. I'm on a flight. No, coming back. From, I was I was in Chicago and I'm on a flight and uh, I fly southwest. And, you know, that's open seating. So I'm a I'm a big guy, as you know. And so mm-hmm. I, I get normally get the first seat on the on the flight so I can get the best seat. You know, I usually want to sit in the emergency exit. So I'm sitting there and about 30 people in this lady sees that all the exit rows seats haven't been filled. And so she rushes past and she dives over me to get that seat. And she gets the seat and, you know, I would have gotten up, but she gets the seat and she says, she looks over at me and she says, I'm real busy. I'm going to be on my computer. I got some work to do. What was she telling me? <laughs> she was saying, don't talk to me on this flight. I'm not interested in communicating. See, that's one of the tools of labeling. You went past the, the latent dynamics to the, you went past the, the surface dynamics to the latent dynamics. You picked up on what she was really meaning, yep. <laughs> not with what she said. She was and really saying, hey, stranger, don't talk to me. <laughs> yeah, I don't have time for you. Don't talk to me. And then when she got situated and she put her seatbelt on and the door closed for the airplane and they realized there wasn't going to be anybody else but her and I in that row, she turns and she looks at me and she says, what do you do for a living? And I could have told her. Now, remember, I told you we want the conversation 75 to 80 percent to be about them. So I use one of our go to labels that we have that we that a list of go to labels that we normally use. And I said, it seems like you have a reason for asking that. And she said, hmm. yeah, I do. She said, most of the times when I fly with people or people fly, look like they just got out of bed. You know, they got they got slippers on, you know, they got look like their uh, house robes or, you know, they have their pajamas on. That's what it looks like to me. She says, and you're dressed very nice, professional. Mm. Again, remember, 75 to 80 percent of the conversation should be about her. So I took that moment to say. It seems like you have a very interesting job. You're very observant. And she started talking. She said, I do. I'm, an, I'm a doctor. I'm a pediatrician. You know, I, I live in Lubbock. And she, 30 minutes, she's telling me her life story. You know, where she grew up in, in, in uh, Egypt. You know, how she convinced her mom to move here. How her, her husband is a doctor also. And he's in a practice with several other doctors. And she's going on and on and on. And she tells me she had five kids. And I'm just mirroring her. And I'm, I'm letting her talk. Mm. And about 30 minutes into the conversation, she says to me, she says, there's a book called Never Split the Difference. <laughs> if you ever get a chance, read it. My husband read it and he can't stop talking about that book. And that's when mm. I smiled. And I and I, I that's when I took the opportunity to share a little bit about myself. I said, ma'am, and I hit her with a no oriented question. I said, would you be opposed to me sharing with you what I do for a living? And she goes, no, 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 no. Go ahead. Tell me. I said, that book that you're talking about, I work for that company. And she goes, no, you don't. You don't work for that company. Well, she had Internet on her computer. So she pulls up the company and looks under the under the uh, team. And she sees she says, Troy Smith, that's you. That's you. Like, you know, that's that's just. Yes, ma'am. You're like, that's me, and baby. So I said, just told you that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, hopefully I was more humble than that. Oh, man. <laughs> so I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, may I have your number? Because my husband won't believe that I'm sitting next to you. So I gave her the number. And as soon as we got off the plane, he was texting me saying, I love this book. Man, I can't wait for a training to come up. I want to go to one of the live events. And man, this is the greatest book. And I just can't believe it. He went on and on and on as we're walking out of the airport. And so finally, we get to the, the baggage, the baggage claim. And she turns around and she looks at me and she said, you know what, Troy? I said, what's that? She goes, I don't know anything about you. I've been talking all this flight. 
all the flight. And I said, well, you know, it's okay. You, you know, I got to learn a lot about you and I really appreciate it. I said, you and your husband have a great day and hopefully I'll see y'all in Dallas. So did you, did you see him in Dallas? Of the conversation. Um, I didn't, I didn't, I, um, I knew that they said that they, you know, this was a, a time that they had, you know, it was busy for them, but they want to come to one of the trainings. Hmm. So I don't deal with that part of the house. Sure. I just thought it was funny that, that, you know, just within two minutes, she was telling me her whole life. Hmm. Yeah. And I hadn't said anything. And she started out by saying, shut up. Don't ask me nothing. I don't know you. So. <laughs> well, that so changed pretty works. quickly, didn't it? It did. Oh, and man. it was exciting and it was fun. Man, I, I, I cannot wait to get face to face on one of those live events. I wasn't able to make the one uh, a couple of months ago. You guys have one coming up in, in July in Dallas too, right? Uh, no, isn't. we just did the one in Dallas. We, we have one in July coming up in Chicago. Chicago, and then right. we have one coming up in New York. You can go to, they can go to uh, event, blackswanltd.com, and they'll end up showing everything that's coming up. Nice. I knew there was one and in July. I forgot events. that it was in, in Chicago. Yeah. yeah. And the good thing about it is you get a lot more hands on. You get, uh, you get a, a bunch of us working together. You know, you get a lot of the team working together, and mm -hmm. we do scenarios and it's a lot of hands-on. It's a lot of fun. It actually ties what they've read and some of the courses that they've taken online. It ties it all together, and you can always see the light bulb go, in there, go off in their head about this is how that works. Yeah. And it's always fun. We, 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 we schedule it for so many hours, and, and during our lunch breaks, when we're having lunch, people are sitting down talking to us. At the end of the class, people are sitting down talking to us, and we enjoy that to know that they're benefiting from it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, as many times as I have read the book and I, I've consumed all of Chris's content on uh, the masterclass uh, system, you know, his whole masterclass is just fantastic. You know, that, that one program from Chris is worth the whole cost of being in the masterclass membership. It's fantastic. So I, I can't even imagine how much value uh, would be derived from a, a full day of in-person training. Yeah. Well, you asked me about uh, how much coaching do we do? Oh, every day we coach somebody pretty much. Sometimes yep. two or three. You know, we, we limit it. Uh, our calendars get very full, but we always want to give the, the, the person that we're coaching uh, 100% of us. And so doing yep. that, you get exhausted. So we, we limit it to no more than three coaching calls a day. You know, and if people are saying, well, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll wait, I'll take it in the afternoon. And if we can't give you 100 percent, we, we will uh, reschedule it and say, look, let's do it on a day where you're getting the best of us because mm. you deserve that. And and I, I was coaching yesterday and just what you were just talking about, about the value of it. The guy told me, he said, you know, Troy, uh, this is my busy time. He said, and, and you, you, you made me work on using certain skills, even though I didn't want to do it. He goes, and I used the skill. And today, I made my money back tenfold yep. for what I paid for all the coaching. And I said, you, I said, you mean just by, he goes, no. I, he says, I, I actually made that much money. He goes, and it was a piece of business that I didn't think I would get. Hmm. But I trusted the skills. And when I said it, the guy not only gave me the piece of business, he called his best friend who owns a company and they gave me the business. Love it. Then and there is something powerful that happens when you take a minute and choose to invest in yourself, in your skill set uh, by you know placing yourself under the counsel, under the authority of someone of your caliber, someone who has uh, a significant amount to offer in a particular area, a particular skill set. You know, you don't elevate until you make that investment, until you step out and, and commit time and energy and, and dollars to better yourself. Uh, I, I can't imagine you'd have any pushback on that <laughs> one since that is literally what you spend your days doing. Uh, as we get ready to, to land the plane on this episode, I, I wanted to hand you the mic. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Uh, any story you want to tell before we go? 
Now I'll tell you I was what I was going to tell everyone is that uh, it doesn't matter who you get as a coach on our team. We're all passionate like that. And there's times when we'll coach somebody and we'll have two or three different people coach them throughout so that they get to, to hear things from different perspectives uh, from our team. And, man, it blows them out of the water. They're like, you guys are saying things differently, but you're saying the same thing. Mm. And so you get, you get the benefit of that time to time you may have me as a coach for a while and then you may have sandy and derek and and you know one of the other team members as a coach and and we always get the emails later on you know several months or every now and then within the next day saying you know man this works it really works and the excitement in them and we get excited when we hear the results Hmm. no that's fantastic what what is Chris up to these days? I know he built this great team at Black Swan who's doing so much of the legwork because you on your own are a highly qualified professional. So it's not like you're missing, you know, a customer or client of yours is missing out because they're not talking to Chris Voss because they get to talk to you and that's uh, transformational for a lot of people. Uh, what, what is Chris doing these days? How does he spend his time? If you look at his calendar, you know, we think our calendar is full. His calendar is probably three times as full as everyone else's. He runs the business. Mm. You know, he's, he has to make sure you have to make the difficult decisions in the moment. He, uh, he's always being requested. You know, you, as a matter of fact, we remember in Kansas city, uh, his son, Brandon, who is the president of the company. Uh, when we came downstairs, uh, uh, who, who was the one who was putting it on? I forgot his name. Uh, Jason Cass. Was it Keith or Jason, Jason, Jason. Jason said to me, he said, you know, we wanted Brandon. He's the president of the company. We wanted Brandon. And I felt a little bad, like, man, you know, or, you know, are they feeling like we're not going to give them the, our best? And by the end, he said, you know what, Troy, you know, I don't mean this in a bad way, but I was glad Brandon, I'm glad Brandon was sick mm. because you blew us out of the water. And I said, every yeah, one man. of our team will do that. You know, everybody on our team is just, it, the way I am is the way everyone else on the team is. Because I, I, I've learned from Brandon, Chris, Derek, you know, Sandy. I've learned from all of them. We all take from each other. And, and everybody, when they when they step out in front, they're just as passionate. Man, the the story that so you told Chris. in uh, the story that you told in Kansas City about the, the hostage negotiator who was was there with the young lady uh, with the older gentleman had a gun to her head and you know the through i'm not going to tell the whole story because it took a few minutes to build up but we were on the edge of our seats you had the entire room completely captivated i remember the power of that moment going he really said that he really offered to adopt that little girl himself and i mean the the only thing, and Jason himself said this, and I, I agree, the, the only thing that could have been more powerful is if, you know, you pulled out a picture of that young lady, you know, like in her graduation cap and gown, and he did end up, you know, adopting her, and she became his daughter. Like, the place would have fell out. <laughs> it would have been just absolutely insane. But the storytelling, the imagery that you bring to that, that environment is incredibly powerful. It, it just backs up your message in so many ways. And I've never used names. One of the things that you find is that there are people out there that will go and start trying to find these people. And I always believe that, you know, after your after that moment, let them live their lives. Yeah. You know, you don't you can't get so consumed with uh, how everybody's doing down the road. You, you It'll overwhelm you as a person. You have to learn to get past certain things and just know that in the moment you gave your best, you did your best job. Hmm. Well, from my perspective, it sure seems like Troy Smith is doing his best job. So uh, any final thoughts before we land this plan and get you back to your day? Yeah, James, I, I appreciate what you're doing. You know, you, you're always trying to make other people better by doing these podcasts. It's not about you. And that's you doing what we do. It's not about you. You're giving other people an opportunity to learn, to get better. And you're doing what we do. And I like that about you, God. You know, when, when I was asked if, if I would be willing to do the podcast, you know, sometimes I'm leery, you know, it's like anybody else. And then I said, yeah. I remember James and, and, and the feeling I got about you as a person, I said, okay, he's the kind of person that's genuinely trying to make somebody else better. And yep. we don't, we're all about that.
So we're we're doing a lot of the same things, and I appreciate that. Well, I appreciate your kind words, my man. I, I think it is definitely uh, you will see me in person at one of these events. Uh, perhaps not this year with those other locations, but I imagine you'll be back in Dallas at some point in the not too distant future, and I will uh, I'll make a real effort to be there. Great, great. You know, I'll, I'll let you buy me. I'll let you buy me lunch. We could split a six go, piece man. nuggets. <laughs> no, it'd be my honor for sure. Hey, next time you talk to Chris Voss, tell him James from Agency Freedom said hi, and uh, I truly appreciate his work. It, I, I don't say this lightly, but that book changed the course of my career uh, when I started implementing those tactics. Uh, it, it has influenced literally everything that I do, uh, every conversation I have with a client. In, in some way is impacted by the work of the Black Swan Group. So uh, it's a true privilege for me to have you on the show today. I hope, hopefully you guys get something out of this. Yeah, well, that's his philosophy. He says the firm that solves business negotiation problems with hostage negotiation strategies. And I'll see him. I'll be talking to him in about 30 minutes. We have a, a meeting, he and I. So I'll let him know what you said. No, that's awesome, man. What's the best way for people to get in touch uh, with uh, Black Swan? Just visit the website, blackswanltd.com, where they can get access to uh, the digital courses as well as register for the live and in-person events, right? Sure, sure. They'll see the whole uh, gambit of, of, of products that we have available. I tell you what, if they uh, get started on something, they, they won't regret it they'll start to notice a change in the way they do business and the change in their personal lives. A lot of people tell us that on their personal side of the house, they, they have a better relationship. So, you know, awesome. I always say good, better, best, never let it rest until your good is better and your better is best. Good, better, best. Never let it rest until your good is better and your better is best. Man, I can't think of a better way to end the episode. So, Troy Smith of the Black Swan Group, thank you so much for joining us on the Agency Freedom Podcast. Boys and girls, that's the end of another episode. Y'all take care, and we will catch up with you real soon. Thanks for listening to the Agency Freedom Podcast. Please subscribe to AFP on your favorite platform to get automatic updates with every new episode and help other people find us. If you like what you hear, please drop us a review and tell the world what you like best. Most importantly, please share AFP with someone you know who is still in captivity. They'll thank you later. Visit our website at agencyfreedom.com to get access to exclusive content and announcements. Join our community on Facebook by typing in Agency Freedom in the search bar. Send your questions, comments, guest recommendations, and favorite grilling recipes to us at podcast at agencyfreedom.com. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. Until next time, let's go. Let's go.